Hey everybody, Mike Golick here in the second edition of my Flying Solo podcast. Though, in this podcast, I'm not going to be flying completely solo. I'm going to bring my wife, Chris, at ND Mom, into this to ask some questions because I put it out there, some Grill Golick questions. So, we put some aside and instead of just hearing my voice drone on with question and answer, we'll bring some uh, a different voice into it. So, but I'm also going to bring her in about maybe a couple of other things as well. Before we get to football and break down some of the games from week two, some of the surprising things going on, we do have other sports going on as well. Major League Baseball uh, at the taping of this is on Wednesday, September 23rd. So the, the coming up Sunday is the end of the regular season in baseball. Remember, just a 60-game regular season and 16 teams going in to the postseason right now six have clinched a spot in the American League four in the National League including the Padres first time in 14 years they've been to the postseason so uh, it only took a 16 game regular season for them to get there so we'll see where that all goes as they start in the postseason remember this um, and and football the only two of the four majors that are outside of the bubble, but they are going into the bubble for the postseason. Stanley Cup uh, is tonight, again, as the taping of this, is going to be Game 3. That series between Tampa Bay and Dallas is tied up uh, one apiece. What's interesting there is, and this is where I wanted to bring my wife, Chris, at ND Mom, into this. The players, now, players want to play, but the, we've read article after article about players in the NHL and really the other sports that are in the bubble and how it affects them. And we're reading more and more because in the NHL, they never really worked out families coming to visit like they did in the NBA. So between the two teams, there's only about a dozen family members that are and uh, that are with the, the players. The rest have been alone. And again, these two teams, Tampa Bay and Dallas, have been alone more than anybody. And right now, they're both staying in a hotel that's connected right to the arena. So basically, they for days may not even see the outside if they went just from hotel to arena. And no family members. Chris, we talked about this when the NFL thought about going to a bubble, though it never really could go to a bubble, uh, but even the other other sports that were going to a bubble, that I guess it would depend on the situation that you're in on whether you would go to that bubble knowing you would spend time away from your family. Yeah, I mean, it definitely would be difficult, but I think you and I both talked about it that we would tell you to go and we would make the best of it on the outside of the bubble and... You know, you would go in. I think it would be more difficult on the players in that circumstance being in the bubble. It, and, and we've heard from more than a few players. They're talking about the mental side of it. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying, come on, these guys are professional athletes. They're making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. What kind of issues could they have? But, man, talk about isolation. You hear of of players who have young families. They say they're missing birthdays, kids' first day of, of school, first day of sports, you know, anniversaries. They're missing all of these things and saying that, that it's kind of making them, you know, you know, feel a little down in the dumps and have have sure. some kind of mental, you know, I don't know about like again. a depression, yeah, some level of depression. And I, I can imagine you're you're isolated from everybody that you know and everybody that you care about. The only good thing that you have now, as opposed to like when you played, is we didn't have FaceTime, we didn't right. have that kind of thing. So you can invo- involve the person who's away. Um, in more things like you could have the the camera rolling as at the birthday first day parties of school, the and, birthday and things parties. like that, like yeah. make them feel involved in it. But I 
don't think you can underestimate the isolation. I mean, we all kind of went through it during quarantine. We felt it to a lesser degree, and now this is magnified even more. Now, now, uh, let me say, the players have all said they it's worth it to them mm-hmm. that they want to be playing and they want to be playing for the Stanley Cup. But there is another part of it. that There is this isolation part of it. And again, more in hockey because they never really worked out the family issue. So a lot of those players have not gotten to see their family. So that series, again, tied 1-1. And as the, the making of this podcast right now, Game 3, uh, will be on Wednesday night, the 23rd, when, when we're taping this thing. And then in basketball, we see what's going on tonight. Again, uh, you're going to see Miami playing Boston. Miami up 2-1 to one in that series. Really impressive out of the Heat. Think about it. If the Heat were to win this championship, they would have won three different championships with three different main players, Dwayne Wade, and then LeBron, though it was with Dwayne Wade, but LeBron was the man, and now it would be Jimmy Butler. That would be really impressive if they were to move on to the finals and then win the finals. And then L.A. is up 2-1 to one on Denver. They were up 2-zip. Denver uh, finally got that first win. I think everybody believes it's going to be L.A. in 5-6 at the absolute most. I think the bigger competition will be... Uh, in that uh, Eastern Conference between Miami and Boston. I don't know if you want me to talk right now, but I have an opinion. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so much I, for flying solo. I, I haven't really been paying much attention to the basketball, but I have to say, like, I am pulling for the heat, I, I'm basically because of no, the team nobody was paying attention to. And the matchup between the Lakers, who have an abundance of wealth, and the heat, who nobody were paying attention to and didn't give a chance – I think that's a compelling matchup to people who, like me, who don't pay like hardcore right. attention to basketball. I think it would make it a compelling final, don't it's you? It's kind of like rooting for that underdog, yeah. but also it's where LeBron used exactly. to be before exactly. he went back to Exactly, there's a lot of layers one. to it that would make yeah. it interesting. So I guess go if, Heat. I guess if I have you sitting here, that you know, you're gonna, <laughs> sorry, I'm just you're, you're, you know you're, I'm kind of going through withdrawal since oh, you've been gone. So, too, so, so you <laughs> haven't been able to talk as well. All right, well there's so much for sorry, flying guys. solo <laughs> podcast I'm going on right now. Whatever. So so that's what's going on in the other sports. We just uh, finished week two of the NFL. I'm going to get to a breakdown of some of those games as well. But as I said, I put out there for you guys to ask questions, uh, sports questions or non-sports questions. So Chris is going to read some of the questions that, that we kind of highlighted, and I'll answer them, and I would imagine she'll jump in there and answer some as well. So <laughs> I'm going to start out with one of my favorites. Okay. What do you think of Claypool and the Steelers? Do you think they can keep it going? Uh, listen, Chase Claypool, you're right, Chris. We called this one. Yes. We as former... I'm no- like a proud papa. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, we the, the some of the draft experts <laughs> who will, shall remain nameless had this guy like fourth or fifth round, and we kept going... Wait, and I, was I think say- he said fifth or sixth. And I, I mean... I was saying it on air. This guy is going to be one of the better grabs. Clay, uh, Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame. Big receiver. There was an actual thought he might go to tight end because he weighed 235 pounds, that it would be a smallish split-out tight end until he ran an ungodly fast time at the Combine, and they were going to keep him at receiver. So Ben stays healthy. They have two other really good receivers, obviously, as well. So they have three there, plus that tough defense. I definitely think they're going to give Baltimore uh, a nice competition for the top of that uh, AFC North. Yes, go Chase Claypool. Okay. Okay. Um, Most surprising 2-0 NFL team to you? Most surprising 2-0 team, that would now, there's 11 2-0 teams, and I would say it would either be the Raiders or the Bears. Now, the Raiders beat Carolina, and really Carolina in that rebuild, and got a lot of their older veterans, new coach in Matt Rule. Uh, but then they beat, they just beat New Orleans. 
on Monday night. And I'll get into New Orleans a little bit and think of that was without Michael Thomas. But that was a nice win for them. It was in Vegas as they opened up the stadium there. Or the Bears, who are 2-0, they beat Detroit, had to come back to do it. And the Giants as well. Mitch Trubisky is looking good. He could make a lot of people, including me, look bad when we said we don't think he would finish the season as the starter. So it would be between those two teams. And I guess because one of them was New Orleans that that got beat by the Raiders, I would say the Raiders. Even though Drew Brees I, I might have some issues with, we'll talk about, and there was no Michael Thomas in that game. I'll still go with the Raiders being 2-0. Gotcha. Okay, next one. Should the Big Ten and the Pac-12 be eligible for the playoffs if they restart in October? So again, the Big Ten is going to start October 24th. That's their plan for nine games. And for the important part of this, of the college playoff, that the Big Ten champion will have nine games. They all will, the way they're going to do it on championship uh, weekend, uh, December 19th. But for this conversation, it would be the Big Ten champ would have nine games in. Others would have 10 or 11 games in. I think there's going to have to be a, a point for that college football committee. What is it? Is it eight games? You have to play at least eight games. You have to get at least nine games in because if that's the case, the Big Ten, as I talked about last uh, on the last podcast, has no wiggle room. They go nine straight weeks right to the pl- uh, championship game. So if they have any hiccups like you are, you are seeing like this, there's already been four ACC games uh, postponed, including a game I was supposed to call this weekend, Notre Dame and Wake Forest. The Big Ten can't afford any of those or that's going to be down to eight games or less. So that would be that's what I would wonder. Would the Big Ten... Or, or would the, the the playoff committee put a number? You have to have at least eight games. And I would think you'd have to have at least eight to be involved or nine. And if it's nine, that would mean if the Pac-12 comes back and the Big Ten, they would have no wiggle room at all. Let me quickly just say about that, and, and I stress this when I, the game I called last week. Any player from the Big Ten or if the Pac-12 does come back, if a player had opted out and signed with an agent, Remember, if you sign with an agent, basically you can't come back and play college football. But in this instance, when the adults in those two conferences took the game away from the players by saying, we're not having a season, those players did then what they thought they needed to do for their next step. And a part of that was to get an agent. And now if the Big Ten is going to play, if there's a player that got an agent but wants to opt back in, let me just say the NCAA better damn well let them. That better not be an issue. Oh, you sign with an agent so you can't come back. I I really hope that doesn't happen because the adults took it away and now the adults are bringing it back. So they should let any player that opted out, no matter what the circumstance, opt back in and play. Okay, we'll go away from today. And it says, um, I've covered high school sports since the mid 80s. And the number one, uh, what is the number one thing high school age and younger athletes can do for their best plans? Uh, chance of playing college sports? Well, I, boy, that, that's a great question. There isn't one thing in all this, and we went through it with two kids playing football and then a daughter in swimming. Know this, and I told my kids this because my dad told me this, and it came to fruition, and, and we told our kids, your kids have to be prepared to make sacrifices. They have to be prepared to miss that dance, to not be able to go out sometimes with their friends, to get up earlier than they want to, to make sure they get their schoolwork done in a timely fashion so they have time to put in extra work. 
It's the extra work. It's not just what you do at your high school when it's during practice time. What extra time are you putting in, whether it's on the field, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's whatever your your sport is, to put in the extra time and understand there has to be a sacrifice involved. You can't just do the norm that everybody else is doing. You have to separate yourself somehow, some way. And I also would like to throw in, your kids need to love the sport for the amount of time and the sacrifice you have to make. If they don't love it and it's not fun and exciting to them, what a drudgery that is. I think the toughest thing now, not to go off on a tangent on this, but I do think it's important is, I know when I was growing up, Chris, when you and I were growing up, and it was always, you play a sport and the next season you play a different sport than a different sport. You always play different sports. And now it's tougher on the kids because it's the parents, it's the coaches a lot of times that are telling a kid, hey, if you play, uh, you know, soccer here, you got to play it the rest of the year. Same with baseball. And and I think players go to one sport too quickly and they feel if they don't, uh, parents and coaches feel if they don't, they're going to lose out on that opportunity for that scholarship uh, to college. It's tough. I, I get it. It's a tough situation. But if you look at like, just pick the NFL draft. 85% of the players that are drafted into the NFL were multi-sport players in high school. So I always recommend before high school and even if you can in high school to be a multi-sport player if you can. Yep, definitely. And it keeps you from burning out. Right. And, you know, all the different sports help you with the, Helps your the body main and sport. Your, yes, yes. Yep. absolutely. Okay, the final one we have is what's your favorite meat to grill and what method do you use to cook it? Oh, wow. Favorite meat to grill. Um, can I say any? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Uh, I love burgers, steaks, ribs. Um, wow. I, I guess burgers is the easiest one. And of course, it, it depends on if you're getting frozen frozen patties in a box or if you're getting it going to the butcher shop and just getting it where it's not frozen and you're making the patties yourself creative, and, they're, yeah. and they're a little thicker and you mm-hmm. do some mixins in there as well. Um, I know along those, those lines of a question, I'll marry it with another question. Some, so I would probably say burgers. I mean, you like a good old, yeah, good old fashioned cheeseburger does the best for me. Somebody asked along those lines, is it okay for the chef who is doing the cooking out to taste the food before he serves it to the people? Hell yes. (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, especially if you're not sure yourself out there or you're cooking something that you haven't cooked before. Then absolutely you want to taste test You're it. You're supposed to let the meat breathe though, right? Before oh, you, you, you definitely it. are. You definitely are. A lot of people too quickly take it off the grill and start to eat it right away. You got to let it just marinate a little more and cook a little more because it continues to cook after the grill. But yes, make sure when you're testing it and eating it, you're eating the portion you're going to eat <laughs> though. Okay, out of that. But you absolutely uh, have every right to taste it to make sure it's going to be good for the people you're serving it for. All right, so that was Grill Golic. We'll do this every now and then. We'll bring in my lovely wife, Chris, to do it. I appreciate that very much. Any words of wisdom before you leave? Nope, just don't mess it up. Okay, there See you ya. go. Yeah, I bet you wanted to say don't something else. <laughs> it, up, yeah. it up as well. All right, so on to the uh, football in week two and some of the things that went on. Uh, I know last week I broke down, or last time I did this podcast, I broke down all the games. I'll go a little a little quicker uh, through some of those uh, some of the games and uh, what went on, but I'll still go through them all. The Thursday night game was the Bengals and the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield, boy, he looked really really good in this one. So these are two teams I do think on the rise. A lot was expected out of Cleveland. I don't expect as much as others. 
The Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow helped this to a 35-30 game. In week one, he brought his team down the field to have himself in position, but there was a missed field goal. I like what Burrow is doing. They just obviously have to build around, a lot, uh, uh, build around him quite a bit. Giants and Bears, I've already mentioned the Bears as, as one of the two surprise 2-0 two teams and the way Mitch Trubisky is playing right now. Hopefully it can continue for them. For the Giants in, you know, trying to just get all your players to play together, boy, just devastating. And it was a devastating weekend of football with all the injuries. Uh, none bigger than, well, maybe a couple bigger, but then Saquon Barkley and uh, blowing his knee out again for the Giants. So he'll be out for the rest of the year, coming off an incredible uh, year last year and what he did. So now he's going to have to find out, you know, that, that rehab and get that all set for next year. Falcons and Cowboys, what a game uh, that was. Uh, again, the, the Falcons blowing out the Cowboys in this one, up 20 to nothing in the first quarter. Absolutely incredible. You thought they were going to run away with it. But then the uh, the Cowboys rallied to win this one, 40 to 39 on a Greg Zerline 46 yard field goal. As time expired, really was wild. There was that onside kick. I have always said, and I will continue to say, you know, as a former position player, a lot of times we will rip on kickers, okay? Because you practice field goals and kickoffs in practice, and the one thing I found that is sorely lacking in the NFL is good onside kicks. Now, the rules prohibit you because you can't get that running start for the kicking team. That's made it even more difficult. But in all honesty, in all honesty, the the onside kicking has sucked by the kickers. They've been doing a horrible job. And I've been waiting for somebody to find a different way to, because you use it like that two quick bounces and that high bounce. And we don't see enough of that. But the ball put flat on the ground and, and kicked almost on the side of the point. So it just spun and was going toward the 10 yards. And everybody was wondering what the Falcon receiving team was doing, not jumping on the ball. So here's, here's j- just so you understand a little bit, the, on, a, on a hands team, the front line of the hands team, their job is to take on the, the people running on the kicking team. They need to block them and let the, the, the two or three guys right behind in that second line usually take the onside kick. They're the hands guys. They're the ones that can catch the front line normally are guys that are going to block the people coming at them. Now, this kick just was squibbing on the ground, spinning on the ground, and wasn't really going toward that 10 yards. Now, the Falcon players, they can jump out at any time they want. The kicking team here in Dallas, they're not allowed to touch it before 10 yards. But I kind of equate it, you see that baseball play, when a ball is rolling slowly down the first baseline or third baseline, that first baseman or third baseman will let it roll and see if it rolls foul, because if they touch it in fair territory, then they got to make a play. Normally, it's too late to get the guy at first. So it seemed like a lot of the Falcons were waiting to see if the ball was going to go 10 yards. Because normally you wouldn't want to touch it before 10 yards because if you did, that makes it a live ball. Unfortunately for the Falcons, by the time it got to 10 yards, what they didn't do was box anybody out and get anybody out of the way. And Dallas was right there to make the recovery. So good on the Cowboys there. And that's something the Falcons and I'm sure every team in the NFL is going to be working on now. Lions, uh, again, putting up, or the Packers, again, putting up 40 points this time, beating the Lions. Aaron Rodgers just starting off having an absolute monster year uh, right now uh, when everybody thought he was going to have, obviously, no uh, uh, weapons, six touchdowns, no interceptions. He's playing well. Jags and Titans, 
Uh, Goskowski, it's a 49-yarder uh, to win that one, 33-30. Uh, he had an awful week one, but has made up for it. Uh, certainly at the end of week one and certainly in week two, getting that win of a high-scoring game. Vikings and Colts, a lot of people saying, what are wrong, what's wrong with the Vikings? Vikings right now, their defense is ranked 29th. They can't, they're, they're having uh, a trouble against the run. And, oh, by the way, Kirk Cousins, quarterback rating, dead last in the NFL. Dead last in the NFL. I'll get to the only, the guy that's right above him, but uh, Kirk Cousins right now, completing under 59%, two touchdowns and four interceptions, not playing well. Bills and Dolphins. Uh, Bills get the 31-28 win here. Josh Allen, so much of a running quarterback last year, but oh, how about 417 yards passing? That's what they need from him. They need him to become a better passer, a more accurate passer. Oh, by the way, two games in, 70% completion, six touchdowns, no interceptions. We know he can run the ball, but boy, if he adds the passing here, let's see what the Bills can do. Stephon Diggs, who came over in that trade, he leads the league in receiving yards at this point because of what Josh Allen is doing at quarterback. 49ers uh, beat the Jets badly, 31-13. No sense in talking about the Jets, but the 49ers, at one point, five guys hurt in that game. The most notably, Nick Bosa also blew out a knee in ACL. He's going to be done for the year. High ankle sprain for Garoppolo. A few other players hurt as well, but it was not pretty uh, for San Francisco. It's one of those where you get the win, but in reality, you really lose. You lose arguably your best player for the year. And as I've always said, every year you sometimes have that mash unit team. And right now, at least through two weeks, it looks like the 49ers could be that team. I called this one. The three games I picked last week, one of them, uh, was the Rams going to Philadelphia and and beating Philadelphia. And I, I, I the Eagles are just a mess right now. The Rams are better than I thought they were going to be, which again says so much about that NFC West, which is the best division in football. The Eagles are getting run on. Uh, it, it's been been awful uh, from, from that respect. And I mentioned the, the, the guy who's next up from the second to the bottom in quarterback in the rating, Carson Wentz. He's completing a percent, a completion percentage under 60% and been horrible at this point. So Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz are the two worst-rated quarterbacks in the league right now, and it's showing in their team's record. Broncos against the Steelers. The Steelers win that 126-21. Drew Locke out in this one with a, with a hurt shoulder. He'll be out for a few weeks. Blake Bortles takes over there. Ben Roethlisberger over 300 yards again. And when Chris was down here, we were talking about questions. We talked about Chase uh, Claypool as a rookie receiver with the three receivers that they have and a tough defense. Watch out for the Steelers this year. Buccaneers get their first win of the season, beating the Panthers. Leonard Fournette has a, a, a nice game. Uh, and Tom Brady gets his win. He'll get many more this year. But Panthers, you, you expect the Bucks to beat the Panthers in this one. Cardinals take care of business at home against Washington. Kyler Murray, a couple of touchdowns uh, running uh, or passing for a couple of touchdowns and ran, uh, ran for two more as well. He is another one. A lot of people talked about him early on as the possibility of an MVP candidate. And he is... He is absolutely living up to it right now, the way he is playing on the first couple of games in that division. So uh, kudos to him. 
Uh, the Chiefs needed overtime to beat the Chargers. Chargers leading a decent amount of this game. Butker kicks that 58-yarder in overtime. And, man, when you have a great kicker, boy, it's so good, the fact that you don't have to go all the way down the field, even though with Mahomes a lot of times you can. So uh, kicker saves their bacon there to keep the, uh, the Chiefs undefeated. Texans and the Ravens, easy win for Baltimore here. Big, big Monday matchup uh, next week with them and the Chiefs that we can get to. And Patriots beat the Seahawks that Sunday night game. What a game that was when I talked about it last week. Of I, I thought the Seahawks would be the better team at home, but the Patriots made it a game 35-30 and were on the one-yard line and ready to ruin this game. I have zero problem with the call of Cam Newton run the ball from the one-yard line. We've seen him get in from that point as well. I have zero problem with the call. Kudos to the Seahawks defense for what they have done. But that leads me to, right now, the best quarterback in the league. And after two weeks, people are already talking about who's your MVP. Russell Wilson, who it still blows my mind, has never not only gotten an MVP award, he's never gotten a vote for NFL MVP. He is out of his mind. Nine touchdowns, just one interception, completing over 82% of his passes and the highest-rated quarterback in the league. Absolutely incredible what he is doing right now. And then, as I mentioned, the Saints... Lose to the Raiders on Monday night. Uh, the opening of the, the stadium in Las Vegas. It's a shame there could be no crowd there, but still a beautiful stadium. Great job by the Raiders in getting this win. And, and really, though, more talk about the Saints. When a lot, a lot of people have the Saints as one of it, maybe the favorite out of the NFC. I don't know if people have that anymore. Might be leaning towards Seattle again. We're just two games in. We'll give it a little bit of time. But you really have to start wondering about Drew Brees and long throws. Now, Michael Thomas was out of this game. He wanted to play badly. Uh, He's got that ankle sprain, so we'll see when he's able to get back. But Drew Brees, you look at him trying to throw it further down the field, and it is a struggle. So it has been uh, short to intermediate passes. So if you're playing against Brees right now in the Saints offense, you just play up. Play up for those short passes, intermediate passes, and make him try and beat you over the top. It does seem like, and listen, he's a first ballot walk-in Hall of Famer, but age catches up with everybody. You wonder if that's starting to happen. The last couple of years, he started out like a ball of fire, and toward the end of the year, he would start to to fall off a little bit. You just wonder if with the age and the wear and tear of a season that that had been happening. But early on here, I think we're seeing uh, some kind of a little bit of issues uh, going on with the Saints. So we'll see how they rebound from that. Uh, coming into, into week three, uh, th- this coming, uh, or this coming weekend and Monday, really the matchup is the Monday night matchup, right? Kansas City at Baltimore, as we, we just talked about, Kansas City coming off of an, have needing an overtime win being down to the Chargers. Uh, at Baltimore, who's just playing really well right now. So everybody looking at that as a potential AFC uh, West, or I should say AFC championship matchup to see who will go to the Super Bowl. And we get that in week three. So really looking forward to that. Uh, one other note, tough note, we talked about injuries. And, and this is just this is just part of it, uh, to take you kind of inside um, a little bit. When Kansas City played the Chargers, now that was supposed to be Terod Taylor, supposed to be obviously the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Justin Herbert started that game, and we had heard that after pregame that Taylor was having trouble breathing, and and he ended up going to the hospital. So what had happened, if you hadn't heard, he had a a cracked rib and was getting a a pain-killing injection 
in the rib and the team doctor who gave the injection punctured his lung while he was given that injection punctured his lung so Taylor had trouble breathing he ended up having to go to the hospital he's going to be okay but he's also going to be out indefinitely until that gets that gets squared away and figured out uh and this is just you know we talk about what players go through we've talked about pain pills that they go through and shots and I'll, I'll just say again just going back to my years and and you know what what I saw certainly and and then also what I did I, I happen to be one of those players that took whatever pill I I needed to take or took whatever shot I needed to take to get on the field on Sunday. Uh, for the most part, players don't worry about, because I remember somebody asked me, don't you care what you're going to feel like at 40 or 50? I said, I care about Sunday. And that was it. So if, and certainly I had a lot of surgeries and a lot of painful things as other players did. And they all chose what they wanted to do. And I saw a lot of guys take the needle as well. This was back when the Toradol shots were really big as well. But but as far as pain injecting shots and what Taylor went through, there was, a I think, the second or third game of one of my seasons, I tore cartilage in between uh, my ribs. And man, I mean, you want to talk about painful. It makes you feel like 80 when I was in my 20s as far as movement. So I had my that area shot up just like Taylor did thir- for 13 straight weeks. And I, I never even thought of anything like that going wrong. And it worked. I mean, after I got the shot, you could ball bat me in the ribs and I didn't feel a thing. Now, after the game, it felt horrible. Uh, and, you know, would have to do rehab on it. But you just, again, you just wanted to play. And that's what Taylor wanted to do. You know, he wanted to go out there and he wanted to play. And a lot of players will do whatever they have to to get out there. So I, I did. As soon as I heard that, I thought back to all the injections I took between my ribs and the cartilage. And I guess, do I say I feel lucky that didn't happen? Or was that just, you know, just an unbelievably poor job uh, by the physician who gave that shot and put Taylor in a little bit of uh, in some jeopardy, puncturing that lung. But, you know, it's what players want to do you know you have a you have a short span and Taylor again he's the starter here after being a backup for most of his career started a bit in Buffalo so that even adds to it I knew as a backup and sometimes starter I could never miss time or I may never get back on the field Taylor is trying to have the starting job knowing full well he may not be the starter there for long because of Justin Herbert so even though he knows that, by him playing, he may be auditioning for another team unless he plays just out of his mind great where they want to keep him there. And Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, knowing the situation that knocked uh, um, Taylor out, has said, and I understand it, when he comes back, he is the starting quarterback. I mean, this dude was trying to play with the crack rib, went to the measures of getting shot up for it, and it was the doctor's fault. Uh, that he didn't play in that game. And that's why Anthony Lynn said whenever he's back, he is the starter again. But Taylor is a guy who knows he needs to produce well to either A, stay the starter there, or B, showcase himself to another team. Just some of the inside stuff, locker room stuff, things that go on for players, and he's not alone, of what players will do uh, to get out on the field and make sure they're able to play uh, on Sunday. So, all right, so that'll do it for the, for the Flying Solo podcast, which wasn't really solo. I appreciate uh, my wife, Chris, coming on. And we'll do some questions, try and do some questions, either more or less, 
uh, each week as well and uh, talk about whatever is going on in the world of sports. So, so glad the NFL uh, is, is two weeks in now and seems to be going fine as far as the COVID testing is concerned. Can't say the same for college. That seems to be a week by week. Keep your fingers crossed. And that's all we can do because we all know we love turning on the TV. And at this point, turning on the TV because we can't go to the stadiums and watching sports. We want everybody to be healthy through all this. We understand that. But it's so nice to turn on the TV and watch some of these athletes doing their thing. So until next time, enjoy your week. Welcome to another edition of Flying Solo. Mike Golick doing a podcast, again, under the Sorry in Advance Golick Family podcast umbrella, but I keep calling it Flying Solo, and I don't know why, because my wife, Chris, keeps joining me. Now, this is two in a row you've joined me, so... Somebody do, needs to read the questions. So That's uh, my job. So, I guess, first and foremost, do we change the name of this? Because for part of it, I'm not Flying Solo. But you still are. Like, I get up and leave, so you really are. Now, do you get up and leave because you just don't want to... Because after the questions, you can stay and just listen to the rest of the podcast and just listen to me, you know, talk. Then we'd have to change the name. Okay. (laughs) Before we get to... Again, we do a Grill Golic portion, which Chris will read all the questions uh, before I get into it. Plenty of sports topics out there uh, to talk about. But before that, I I didn't want to prepare you for this. I just wanted to get it off the cuff here. Our daughter is engaged, mm-hmm. Sydney, uh, and anybody who's listened to any of our podcasts or knows any about, uh, anything about our family, Sydney is 25 and, and spends uh, a lot of money, a lot of my money. And so she's engaged to be married to a wonderful man, Ben Broniker. God bless him. God bless him for taking <laughs> over, this, over this debt. Uh, April of 2022. But it has not stopped her, and dare I say you, from already tinkering into the wedding uh, things that you need to purchase. So, um, is there anything you'd like to tell me about anything that's been spent or looking to be spent so far about what I'm going to have to pay for in this wedding? No. No, no, that's not the answer. <laughs> what, what is your motto? My Well, I mean, my motto has been... Uh, don't tell me. You don't want to know. I, I don't want to know. But there, there's part of me that may want to know for this. This is the biggest day of our of our daughter's life that's coming up here. And there's the wedding and there's the wedding dress. I know you've been looking at wedding dresses. We have. Is there any kind? I mean, are we? is it going to be over $2,000? Yes. And I don't think this is the time to deviate from your motto. So, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Why would you why would you put yourself through this? You 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 know what the expectations are with Sydney. But I, I guess the question is because it seems through all of this talk of any type of Sydney with the credit card, the phone bill, all the stuff that we pay, that I get mocked every time I act like I'm gonna put my foot down. Because you never do. Okay. You never do. Okay. This This isn't the place to put put your foot down. Would 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 it be fair to say though? That of all the things with our daughter, this will by far be the most expensive thing that it's cost us. Yes. Just ba- barely. But I was yes. just going to say, you actually had to think <laughs> about I that for a one moment. Thing and I, I, oh yeah, I thought, no. So, almost. So maybe this time around, maybe I should be more involved. 
maybe I should know the prices a little more because I, if I remember now with Jake's wedding to Jenny, I didn't have to pay for that because being the groom, but now we do. Some things I think could be negotiable. I can negotiate. I can do that kind of thing. How about in situations where we feel there's some room for negotiation, we bring you in. Other than that, we leave you out of the loop. So will there be any negotiation in the dress? No, the dress is non-negotiable. In the venue, in the expense of the food, in the expense of the booze. I mean, perhaps there is like in those kind of things, but like the dress, the, the DJ, those kind of things. I think they're kind of like... Ballpark. Ballpark, I guess, yes yes or no. Is this whole wedding going to cost more than $10,000? Yes. Is it going to cost less? Are we playing the prices right? Yes. <laughs> Is it going to cost less than $500,000? Yes. Okay. So that See, that's good. Just live so in that area. Leave it right there? Yep, live in that area and you'll be a happy man and she'll be a happy girl. All right. Yep. Ignorance is bliss, my friend. I'm the one who's going to have to know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're the one writing the checks. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. You know, to, Enough of that. To be continued. Do you, do you because, feel better now that you discussed well, it a little well, bit? Well, a little. I think I'm going to want to discuss it a little more. At some point, I will know the full value of this wedding, correct? Maybe. Okay. You'll know a range. Right. I would like to know from dads out there, did they, did they stay in the loop with everything, or did they just kind of let the mom and the daughter do their thing? You know what I'm going to do after I walk Sydney down the aisle and, and hand her to Ben? What? Hug him. Hug him. Hug him as, as a little tear trickles down the side of his face because he he knows what she's about. Oh, he though that's the thing about it. He, he knows. knows exactly what he's getting into right now. So oh. off my plate it on his. All right. Yes. Uh, before I jump into the sports, I, I throw out on, on Twitter uh, a grill Golick sports questions, non sports questions, and just to say from the monotony of my voice for the entire time, Chris will uh, pick some of the questions and read them, and then I'll get into some of the sports. So let's hit it. Okay. The first one I thought was interesting is, do you think the 2020 World Series should have an asterisk next to it since it was only 60-game season and the team stayed within their general area? Well, um, well, actually, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, they did. Geographically, they did. I guess my thought, because we look at the other ones, I mean, are, are you going to do it in the in for bubble teams? I mean, you look at NHL, you look at NBA, you look at WNBA, everybody out with the better records lost home court. You know, should there be an asterisk there? If a, if a higher-seeded team lost to a lower-seeded team in any of those sports and they didn't have home court or home ice or home field, should there be an asterisk? I, I, I almost think 2020 overall is going to have an asterisk next to it. That's what I was going to say. Everything about this year has been different or not the way it typically runs. And I think everybody understands that. But I think the only asterisk that's going to be there, if there is one, because there will, it will say shortened season. Just like in 90, you know, 94 when, when they struck and there was no World Series. I mean, there's, there's notations of that. So it will be noted that it was only a 60... Global pandemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it will be noted... You know, World Series champ is X, um, but, you know, and it'll say 60-game season. But if I'm a player, I think no less of it. I no. still had to go through it. I still had to go through the playoffs, and I still had to win it. So, And I would say in some respects it was probably more challenging and difficult yep. than a normal season. Exactly, exactly. So we shall see. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? There, somebody would like to know how your golf game is coming along. My golf game is coming along pretty well. Um I have more time now that I'm not doing the radio show anymore and just calling college games on the weekend. 
you know, I watch a ton of tape. I talk to coaches and players, fill out my boards and stuff, but there's, there's extra time. And I know you don't want to spend all that extra time with me at this point. I love you a lot, but yeah. it's, it's good to have other things to do. Yeah. Uh, basically, she says, go golf. So the golf game is coming along very well. Of where it was, where my basic line was drunk or sober, I shoot uh, 95. Now I'm in the 80s. My goal is to eventually get my handicap under 10. I'm right around a 13, 14 now. So the next goal is under a 10, and then at some point, senior tour. On an average round of 18, how many balls do you use? Ooh. Right now. Well, is it less than you used to? It's definitely less than I used to, but I still do not buy expensive golf balls. Not yet. No, no, not yet. I, I, I was so proud of myself. I went to a store and I bought a range and I had some coupons. So I ended up getting like 136 golf balls for an average of like 81 cents a ball. I was so happy. So when it goes into the into the, the woods or the or bank of the water, I don't even look for it. I said, that's 81 cents. I don't care. Yeah, I get to 3 and $4 a ball. No, I'm, I'm diving a, into that. It's a lot for a golf ball. It's a lot ball. for a golf ball. It's a ball. lot. And, and when I finally do that, I really want to know how much of a difference does it make. Right. Does it make a big difference? I want to know what it costs to make a golf ball. Probably about $0.04. Cents. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're talking about the expenses of the wedding and you're spending $4 on golf. No, no, I said I'm not yet. But you will eventually. At some point when I get good enough. So for Sydney's wedding, it should be at some point if I'm rich enough, which I'm not for her wedding right now. <laughs> nobody is. No, that's no, true. Nobody is. Um, somebody, you get this asked a lot. Do you think ND joins the ACC? No, they do not. Uh, only this year. Uh, it was the right thing to do for Notre Dame and for the ACC as well. It was a win-win situation. I'll say this. If things go back to normal, Notre Dame will go back to being an independent. Notre Dame has always said when it becomes the right thing to do for all of their sports, and we know especially football, that they would join a conference. If that, if, if that, the landscape changes in landscape changes in college football enough to where them being in a conference is going to be the, the right move, then they will. If not, they'll be independent, and I defend that. To the hilt, I have zero problem with that at all. So right now, I would say this year, and then they move on. Um, somebody asked what game you're calling this weekend. And uh, maybe you want to give a little nugget on the game. Yeah, the game I'm calling this weekend, as, as the taping of this, as I'll get into, the taping is, is on a Thursday, so my game is in a, in a couple of days. Uh, I'll be calling Oklahoma State at Kansas. So Mike Gundy against Les Miles. Interesting tidbit here. When Les Miles, years ago, used to be the coach of Oklahoma State, and one Mike Gundy was the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator oh, for him. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. But looking forward to the game, Oklahoma State, there's only a couple of teams, three teams, I think, left in the Big uh, 12 that are undefeated. And Oklahoma State's one of them. They won both their first games, did not look really impressive doing it. But in this year, man, win and move on. Just just win. Uh, Kansas is still struggling. Kansas has been struggling for a while. Les Miles trying to turn that program around. We'll see if he can. But, but do, do they have the firepower to maybe pull one out this I, weekend? I don't know if they do. I don't, I, I'm just waiting for Oklahoma State to actually explode offensively. They have been, and now they've had to use a backup quarterback because their starter hurt his foot uh, in the first game against Tulsa. We'll see if he's going to be back he, this weekend. You don't know if he's back? Don't know if he's going to be back yet this weekend or not. It's probably a game-time decision. Um, but I think Oklahoma State, I, I think they could take care of business. But you never know. Kansas normally plays better at home, and this one is at Kansas. And they play better at home, so let's let's see what they can do. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, what's your least favorite barbecued meat? My least favorite barbecued meat? Yeah. 
Boy, that's tough. You didn't, you didn't tab this one, but... I didn't. No, I You see, so you're going off, off script. I am. I'm going huh? off script. You're doing yeah. whatever you want. Uh-huh. I like pretty much all meats. Can you think of a meat I don't like and then it being grilled? And the veggies. only meat that I can think that you don't like is you're not really a corned beef guy. That's oh. not a grill, but you don't like corned beef. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You don't really grill that. Like, no. Like corned beef, like all the times I went out and got hammered on St. Patrick's Day and people had the corned beef sandwiches, not me. Couldn't eat them. Couldn't eat them. Usually came back up on me. I Just like it. it. I know you do. Yeah. I know. I, I do not. Um, and But you don't really grill that meat. No. Um, I really don't have a, a least favorite. Good. I can pretty much eat them all. Good. Um, are the Arizona Cardinals for real? You know, I had said the, at the beginning of the season, Kyler Murray was a little ways away still from the MVP. He's been proving me wrong on that. And I had said the Arizona Cardinals may be another year away or so. Like everybody thought Cleveland last year was going to make the playoffs. I said, no, 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 that's too early. Maybe this year, but they're struggling again this year. I'm thinking, I am I was thinking the same thing of the Cardinals. They came out of the gate strong, really tripped up against Detroit last week. That was, that was a tough loss for them. So I'll still hold to, I do think they are... More for real than people thought the Browns were last year. Mm-hmm. Getting DeAndre Hopkins, I still don't get why you know the Texans traded him away. Kyler Murray is coming out of the gate strong uh, this year. So while I think they are for real, I think that that division is the toughest in football. With Seattle, San Francisco, though, is the mass unit right now. Everybody's right. hurt, though. They're getting a couple players back, and then the Rams. Uh, as well. So I do think they are for real though, yes. Okay, going off script here a little bit because we're talking about the Cardinals and how they they picked a quarterback even though they had a quarterback. If the Jets end up getting the number one pick, would you... Trevor Lawrence. Not, don't even think twice about I, it. I without, wouldn't even think twice about it. I wouldn't even. I, I mean, listen, everybody talks about Sam Darnold coming along and, and saying it's not Sam's fault. Listen, I think Sam is a good quarterback, but I'm sorry, some of it is his fault, gang, okay? Uh, I mean, it, it's, he doesn't have a great surrounding cast. I completely understand that. But he had turnover issues in college, and he has some turnover issues here. So while some people want to continue to make excuses for him, I'm not going to do that. I do think he's a pretty good quarterback. I do think he is getting held back some by his team and by his coach. I completely agree with that. But I'm not going to sit there and say he is not at fault at all. He is at fault as well with the rest of that team. And again, to answer your question, Trevor Lawrence, available, number one pick. I would absolutely, without question, take him. He's a franchise changer. He is a... Like, Sam Donald's a good quarterback, but I don't know that he's like the decade-long franchise. And and again, we say that because of what they look like. Well, we also watched him in college, and we we were less than sold on Oh, and Sam Donald, I completely agree. Completely agree with you. And I am completely sold on Trevor Lawrence. Like, there's certain people that you look at in college, and you know they're as close to a slam dunk. Yeah. Like, when we saw Andrew Luck Andrew Luck, yeah. We knew he was a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just cert- a certain thing about that. Yeah, I would, I, I would make that move for sure. Yep. Yes. All right, my work here is done. Is that it? That's yep, all that's you got. It. That's all I got. All right, be on your way then. Goodbye. Nothing you want to tell me at all about the money I got to spend. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing on the money. I'll get it out of her at some point. Okay. Uh, that's the that's the now I am truly uh, flying solo here on this podcast. Uh, so let's look at before I jump really heavy into the football. Look at some of the other things going on. As I said, it's the taping of this is the day after game one of the NBA Finals against the Lakers and the Miami Heat. And and, and the Lakers absolutely blew out the Heat 116-98. It was worse than that at that point. This one was interesting, though. Even from the starting lineup with the Lakers starting Dwight Howard out there at center. Obviously, Anthony Davis out there as well. But they started Dwight Howard at center. And by the time they subbed Dwight out, 
Miami was winning this game 25-12. to And so they had a 13-point lead. They took Dwight out, slid AD over to, to the center position, and going in then in the, th- the, the third quarter at some point, they had outscored Miami 75-30. to AD absolutely took over in this game. You can tell it right from the beginning. LeBron got the ball. They doubled him. He kicked it over to AD. AD hit the first three of the first points of the game for them. And, again, uh, AD has waited eight seasons for this. He had 34 points, nine rebounds, three blocks. There's only two other Lakers in their Lakers finals debut that scored more points. And they were both big men as well. George Mikan scored 42 and Shaq scored 43. AD now third on that list at 34. LeBron went for his 25, 13, and 9. He's still obviously the engine that makes it all run there. And for Miami, uh, bad news that they got blown out. They were down by 30 at some point in this game. They end up losing it by uh, 18 points, but uh, th- this game was over. And the series, for those that say, okay, that's only one game, well, you could have issues here. Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler left, rolled his ankle. Now, I don't think that's going to be serious. Bam Adebayo left with a shoulder injury, as coach was even saying was shoulder, elbow, wrist. I'd imagine he'd be able to come back from that. But Goran Dragic, that's the one. They fear a left foot uh, a plantar tear. So that, let me tell you, had that, it is one of the more painful injuries there is. Tried to come out in the second half, too painful, went back in, didn't come out of the floor, just not even out of the locker room, almost made it back to the floor and went back in and never came back out. Now, there's thoughts that he can come back during, possibly during this series. This is one of those where it is so painful, so painful, but... You can take the needle if you want, the pain-killing needle to, to where that is in the bottom of your foot uh, and and try and play through it because it is a painful thing to play through. Now, we'll see where it goes, if he can make it back and if he has to do that to come back. But you get blown out the first game. Your three stars all get hurt. Varying degrees of injury uh, does not bode well for Miami. So I think those that, that looked at Lakers winning this one in five you're probably closer to being right here now that you add in all these uh, these injuries that are going on. Major League Baseball moving along. I'm not going to talk about it much because my Indians <clears throat> got knocked out by the Yankees. So I'm through with them and I'm through with that. Uh, Yankees are now going to play the Rays. The Rays took care of the Blue Jays. So that's, that's a matchup. The Astros, who took care of the Twins, are waiting for the winner-take-all White Sox and A's game. Again, by the, this taping that I'm doing this, this is what's going on right now. Dodgers, Braves, Cards, and Padres can, are all, uh, can all clinch at this point. Um, so uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs are moving on as they're playing in two different locations, American League and the National League. But as I said, my Indians are out, so my interest level uh, has, uh, has gone down. Yankees beat the Indians deciding game 10-9 to nine, uh, in that one. College football that's going on and I have so enjoyed calling college football games but this has been the sport even though it's now bleeding into the NFL we saw it a little bit in Major League Baseball that has so many ups and downs uh, from COVID we've certainly seen a number of teams are missing games including last week I was supposed to call the Notre Dame Wake Forest game and Notre Dame had too many uh, positive tests to go along with having to isolate contact traced uh, players as well. 
that they had to postpone the game with Wake Forest until December 12th. So we're seeing that more and more, while also at the same time we have seen the other conferences now come back to play. So from that side of it, with some of the some of the uh, the the housekeeping things of it, the first college football ranking was supposed to be November 17th. Now it's been pushed to November 24th. Uh, again, remember the Pac-12 isn't even starting until in November. We know the big uh, the Big Ten is starting the third week in October of this month. So uh, not going to get a ton of games in. Uh, and they have no room for error, as I've already talked about, like some of these other schools that have missed games, but they're able to make them up. So now the first ranking will come out the 24th. There will be four rankings. It's the lowest amount that we've ever had for the rankings, the number of them, with obvious reasons being of COVID and starting late. Four rankings before the selection day where you pick the final four. And then <clears throat> the Rose and the Sugar Bowl have the semifinal game January 1st, January 11th uh, in Miami is the national championship game of which uh, I would, uh, even if invited or have to go down there, I'm going to try not to because <clears throat> that was a site in 2012, that same stadium where Notre Dame with my son Mike and my son Jake on the team played Alabama for the national championship. And uh, three minutes in, um, it was basically over. Uh, but what was interesting <clears throat> is Larry Scott, the commissioner from the Pac-12, Actually, and I, and I had talked about this on the last game broadcast uh, that, that we had. Uh, I, I started talking about, you know, different scenarios we could have for the college football playoffs because the game I was doing was uh, UCF <clears throat> against uh, East Carolina. And UCF, we know, <clears throat> in 2017, uh, by the time of the last rankings before their bowl game, they were 12-0 and and ranked only ranked 12th. 2018, same thing, they were 12-0 and by the time the last rankings came out, and they were ranked 8th. So as we've been talking about, in a normal year, rarely do uh, school, rarely, never, will a school outside the Power 5 conference, even if they're undefeated, like UCF was, going to get in that Final Four ranking. So I had said, just like... Because this is an off year, we saw what baseball did expanding the playoffs this year. I know they're doing it next year. Why not expand the playoffs this year? Why not make it six or eight teams? Because it's going to be so difficult for the committee to pick four teams when it's just conference play. They're going to go a lot on just obviously the power of the conferences. I said, why not this year make it six games, make it eight games? Well, it seems Larry Scott basically had the same thought process and brought it up with the other Power 5 commissioners, the other commissioners, and said, let's expand the playoffs this year, and basically got no support from it. doesn't mean it's out the window right now. I would imagine he may try and keep that discussion going, but uh, I, I push come to shove. It doesn't look like it's going to go that way. I would love to see it happen, go to six or eight teams uh, for this year, and then see what – because to go to a, a longer or larger playoff format – under normal circumstances, was going to take some years before this contract was going to be over. But again, this year is just an up in the, you know, a crazy year. Why not do it? That's been my thought process. But at least we're getting some hard dates, as I said, for the college football ranking. Uh, again, the first one will be November 12th. And then uh, the, the the final ranking, I believe, will be on December 20th because all these conference championship games are going to be on the 18th or the 19th of December. Then we move on to the semis and the uh, the championship game. All right, uh, now on to the NFL. Uh, before I look, look back a little bit at some of the games, 
we're we're seeing now. We saw it before NFL teams even started practicing together. We saw facilities being closed and cleaned and players doing everything virtually until it got to camp and everything kind of started out well. We had a couple positives here or there, but for the most part, it had run pretty smoothly. Unlike uh, uh, baseball that started out with the Marlins, as I talked about, and the Cardinals, especially in the Marlins having the positives and having to postpone a bunch of games. We haven't had that in the NFL until it seems now. Uh, between Tennessee, uh, who was supposed to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, four players for Tennessee, the Titans, who was undefeated, by the way, tested positive along with five of the team personnel. So they supposedly aren't even getting back into their facility until Saturday. And the game is already not going to be Sunday. They're talking about pushing the game to Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so listen, what would be great, Monday you get two Monday night games. Or if it's Tuesday, you get a standalone game on Tuesday. And then you get NFL football on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. I'm not going to complain about that. But it does throw, it certainly throws some things off, especially for the Tennessee Titans. You can't get back into your facility until Saturday. So meaning during the week when the, 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 the install days are really Wednesday and Thursday, clean things up on Friday, walk through on Saturday, play on Sunday, they're not together any of those days. It's all virtual meeting, and it's all players trying to keep themselves in some shape. Now, it's not like you're doing an ungodly amount of, of cardio and such during the season. The practices kind of take care of that. But now that you can't practice, you'll have to do a little more. and You'll have to, have to do things you're not normally doing during a season when you have your routine down. But the hardest thing now is you got is installing the game plan. This would be easier if it were two division teams that were in this situation because you know each other so well. Game plan, while certainly important, you know the other teams in your division system so much better. This is not a division with Tennessee playing Pittsburgh, so it's just within the AFC. So this is going to be, and, and listen, Tennessee, you know, Mike Vrabel, they're not making any excuses. He said, hey, this is, we knew this was a possibility. We knew this could happen, so we're just going to, got to go about our business and can't complain about it. You know, whenever we're, we're allowed to play and asked to play, we need to be ready to play. And that's going to be playing off virtual meetings, guys staying in, in some kind of workout shape during this during the, the, the um, uh, week. If you have a few extra days before you play, it could benefit guys that have been nicked up a little bit. But certainly something out of the ordinary for the players in what has been an odd, out of the ordinary uh, year in the NFL this year. So that's been really the, the news coming out of, we talked a lot of, uh, last week about injuries that had gone on in the NFL, which happens every year. I just saw um, that uh, some of the players are starting to ask for natural grass in all of these stadiums. After what had gone on with San Francisco, they played back-to-back games at MetLife, the Jets one week and the Giants another week, and just got destroyed with injuries. So there is, there is, you'll see if this push becomes louder to go back to natural grass, which when I was playing, it was grass, natural grass, or turf, which was concrete. Uh, you're going way back in the day when I played in Philly, we played at the Vet, that was like basically carpet laid over concrete. Uh, so the synthetic fields today are much better than that, uh, but still, you know, it's not natural grass. So we'll have to keep an ear and an eye out if if that statement from players starts to become louder 
uh, of going back to natural grass. We all know the synthetic grass, there's no upkeep, so it's a lot easier to worry about maintaining so much. So we'll see what goes on there. Looking, let's, We're going to look somewhat quickly back uh, at, at last week. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick still finding ways to get it done for the Dolphins, putting up 31 against the Jags in this one. Interesting one to me that the Falcons, what's going to go on there? You start already, you start seeing, and I hate it. I hate calling for, and, and I, I don't like to do it and don't, but it's certainly out there. There are already odds out there on the first coach that will be fired during the season. And right up on that, that list is going to be Dan Quinn. You had the Falcons back-to-back losing double-digit leads, this time by the Bears. And also the news with the Bears is is Mitch Trubisky got benched, uh, and now it's Nick Foles' team. Nick Foles is going to be the starter going forward. And I remember going on my, my son's radio show, and, and, and he had, one of the things I did uh, when I was doing radio when I made a strong statement, I would say, no way on God's green earth, something, something. And they, uh, Mike wanted me to make one for this year before the season started. And I said, no way on God's green earth, Mitch Trubisky makes it through the season as a starter. Nick Foles will replace him. And here it's happened. Uh, it's happened in game three. And oddly enough, the Bears are undefeated. And they've had to come back a couple of times. One time it was Mitch who helped bring him back. This time it was Nick Foles who came in through late three late-in-the-game touchdowns to help them win 30-26 to over the Falcons. Big questions are going to be to Dan Quinn. Uh, the offense is certainly putting up some points. The defense not playing that well <clears throat> and blowing those big leads. Some Dan Quinn is going to have to answer to, though. I really don't think Arthur Blank is going to be that guy, though, uh, at least now, I think, anyway, that's going to think about doing that. I think Dan is going to have a little bit more time. What a wild one between the Bills and the Rams. The Rams played on the East Coast last week, and instead of staying on the East Coast to practice because they had to play the Bills, which was on the East Coast, they went back to California and then flew back again. And you could basically almost tell that the way we always talk about West teams coming East for early games is they were sluggish early on, and they were getting smoked early on in this game, badly getting smoked in this game. And they came all the way back and took the lead uh, against uh, the Buffalo Bills. And it, it was an amazing comeback. And I think one of those where you say maybe we should have stayed on the East Coast because it maybe it cost us uh, uh, going back and forth cross-country. But give credit to the Bills. They rallied to win. Questionable pass interference call uh, late in that game. But Bills are putting up some points. And the most impressive thing is Josh Allen's completion percentage is better. And he's passing more. Last year, we knew him so much as a runner. But he is passing so much better this year. So a nice win for them as they stay undefeated. Browns get a nice win over Washington. Uh, they beat him by 14. Mayfield and Chubb do well. Mayfield throws for two. Nick Chubb runs for two there. It's a building year again for Washington. And a lot of, of Dwayne Haskins, can he start to get any consistency at all? And now the Browns sitting at 2-1. and one. So let's see. Last year, some people thought they could make a move. I didn't think so. So everybody's putting it on this year. They didn't look good early on, but they get a win. A lot of people will say, albeit against Washington, let's see where they go from there. The Vikings have been a, been a, just an absolute disappointment at 0-3. Everybody's scratching their head uh, on this one. The Titans get that win on our 3-0. and Guskowski, remember week one when he was missing kicks, getting them blocked, and everybody thought, oh, what the hell's going on here? 
Well, he six field goals in this game. I mean, he has been money since that first game as they get the one-point win over a Viking team that, you know, it all always questions around uh, Kirk Cousins. So, you know, you're putting up 30 points. Uh, certainly from an offensive side, uh, that, that helps a lot. The defense, I think, has been a little more disappointing uh, than the offense, especially in this game. Patriots get a win uh, against the Raiders. Put up 36. That was the one question I had is would they be able to put up a lot of points? They did against the Raiders. It would be interesting. They go to Kansas City next week. I don't know if they can put up the, the points uh, at that pace that Kansas City can do, but they did put up uh, a 36, so impressive for their offense. San Francisco, as we said, they get an easy win over the Giants, but they keep getting beat up. Looks like they're going to get a couple of players back, uh, including uh, uh, Debo Samuels and I think George Kittle, but they're still missing another handful of players. So they, they still have to have to be coming back from that and trying to survive uh, through the injuries. As I said, every year, every year there is a there is a mash unit team and they're the team this year and they host Philadelphia who has their own problems as, as we talk about that game as they get a tie with the Bengals 23 all I tell you what Bengal fans I, I know you've been lifted before sometimes with play and and what it may look like gotta love Joe Burrow Joe Burrow again is hard on himself the kid wants to learn and play better you know and and here he is you know helping his team at least you know get to a tie in position a lot of question, you know, about the Eagles. Why did you, did you punt at the end? You had the illegal procedure on the field goal. Should you still try to kick it even though it was a long field goal? Uh, because if you miss it, there's still a little bit of time on the clock. You actually gave the Bengals a short field to maybe go down and get a uh, uh, get a field goal or, or a field goal for the win. But I think I would have tried the field goal as well. I know Doug Peterson taking some heat for that one. But this Eagles team, between the O line and injuries, Carson Wentz just is flat out not playing well at all. They have been another uh, very disappointing team this year, much like the Minnesota Vikings. Steelers get a 28-21 win over the Texans. Connor runs for over 100 yards. I like the offense of the Steelers as we start looking to. Who may be challenging Kansas City since they took care of business against Baltimore? Everybody said those were going to be the two teams. Who else in the AFC has that shot? You know, maybe it's going to be Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has, without question, one of the toughest defenses out there. And you have three really good receivers uh, on offense. You have Ben. You have a good, solid running game. So maybe they're the ones that are going to be uh, the competition for Kansas City. We'll see. We'll see who else can step up. You know, could it be the Colts who get a big win over the Jets? Now, any big win or win over the Jets, you're always going to say, well, that's not much because the Jets are horrible. The Jets are horrible. The horrible football team. Now you hear talk from players in there about the coach and practices. It, it's Let me tell you, it's, it's going to get worse uh, before it gets better. And for Jet fans, you have known this pain for a long, long time. And let me just tell you, the pain is going to continue. Uh, so the Colts get a big win there. Uh, the Panthers beat the Chargers, albeit they can't really get into the end zone, kicking a whole lot of field goals uh, in this one. Chargers, we talked about that weird situation, Justin Herbert being the starter, uh, because Terod Taylor got the shot the other week to try and numb up the cracked ribs to play, and the doctor administering the shot punctured his lung. So he is still out from that. So you still have the rookie quarterback in there. And uh, Carolina's defense, they forced three uh, Los Angeles Chargers turnovers in this one, and they get the win. Buccaneers get an easy win over the Broncos. Brady throws for three touchdowns in this one. 
uh, Shaq Barrett. Remember when he was kind of a rotation guy in Denver, then went to Tampa Bay, had the monster sack years, signed the monster contract. He went back uh, and, and had a couple of sacks uh, against his former team, so a nice win uh, for the Buccaneers. Maybe a little surprising, the Lions uh, beat the Cardinals. Cardinals, that team that everybody's saying, hey, they're the up-and-comers. They're going to make a move in that division, and maybe they still will, but, uh, you know, not this one. It was a 39-yard field goal as time expired, so a, a walk-off field goal. Uh, for the Lions, excellent job by them. Stafford, a couple of touchdowns. So a little bit of a, a hiccup there for Arizona, which does one of those West Coast to East Coast uh, teams. I, I'm not sure if they stayed through the week or not, to be honest with you. Uh, but they, they play Carolina at 1 o'clock uh, on the East Coast, East Coast time. And I do like Arizona in that one. I think Carolina, again, too much uh, too much not getting it done in the red zone, even though in their win. Packers get a big win over the Saints. Aaron Rodgers throws for a few touchdowns in this one. Uh, actually, you know, it was Drew Brees who, who threw pretty well in this one as well. But 37-30, to 30, both offenses are doing it. That's when, as a defender, and I've been in these situations, let me tell you, you don't want to go into the meeting room the next day, uh, even with a win. Sometimes, sometimes in a win... Even, and you give up, you know, the points you gave up, 30 points here, uh, you still get ripped. So while the Packers offense, I'm sure that next day, you know, things went pretty well in the meeting room for the defense, giving up 30 points, that doesn't go over very well, and you get hammered pretty good uh, in those meetings. And then we finish up with the Chiefs, Chiefs in Baltimore. I actually picked Baltimore in this one, and I thought it would come down – be a close game, and I thought it would come down to the kickers between Justin Tucker for Baltimore and Harrison Butker for Kansas City. They both had been money uh, this year, but boy, oh boy, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they they were absolutely incredible. You know, a monster, what, 27-10 lead at halftime in this one. They just got the job done, so that's why everybody now is, okay, Baltimore, we've seen the hang-up they've had in the playoffs before. And now they get smoked by Kansas City, even though it's early in the season. What team, who is that team in the AFC that can challenge them uh, for the AFC crown? Again, is it going to be Pittsburgh? Could it be Tennessee again? Tennessee having a lead on them like they did last year. You know, will will it be them again? I don't know who's going to step up. We have a long way to go. Uh, One other thing to look at in the NFL is there are, I believe... I believe there are seven undefeated teams left in the league. So let's go through and say which ones are we buying into and which ones are we maybe a little shaky on. Um, Buffalo Bills 3-0. I'm definitely buying into them and what they're doing, uh, without question. Um, I, I, especially, like I said, Josh Allen is throwing the ball very, very well. So, And I think that's been the big difference for them. Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, are absolutely uh, for real. Uh, right now, with again uh, one of the hardest hitting defenses out there. That's I think maybe is that the team that can step up and and get in that slugfest with Kansas City? Can you get in a scoring fest with Kansas City? Is always the question. But man, if your defense can hammer them down a little bit uh, and keep the score down a little bit, I think Pittsburgh could be right there. The Tennessee Titans, hard to say. Uh, tough to say they're not legit after what we saw last year. I know there's a lot of questions coming into this year about them, but they've been they've been answering the bell pretty well so far this year, so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Kansas City, we don't even need to discuss whether they're legit or not. Green Bay, 3-0 and after coming off a of 13-3 and last year where all we did was go, my God, why didn't they get 
um, Aaron Rodgers any weapons. Well, he hasn't needed uh, many weapons right now. I mean, for what they've done, they have scored 122 points so far this season. There's only one other team with over 100 points, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. They have 111. So their offense is absolutely humming right now. So they're legit. Chicago Bears, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a tough time saying of all the other teams I'm talking about that they're going to be for real. Now, their defense has been shaky at times, but we know they can step up with big plays. They did with interception at the end of the last game to seal the deal. Uh, and they can come up with good rush on the quarterback. So that defense is certainly legit. Is there enough? You saw offense, Tree Cone go down with the the ACL. Uh, so you lose a weapon there. Now Nick Foles does come in, and we have absolutely seen what Nick Foles can do uh, coming in as a backup and taking over a team and where he can take a team. So um, do we want to say they're legit? Well, the last undefeated team quickly is Seattle. They are absolutely legit. Right now, the best player in the game or, or right there with Patrick Holmes is uh, is um, Russell Wilson, no doubt about it. And quite honestly, Aaron Rodgers right up there as well. Uh, but their defense needs to pick it up in Seattle, something you, you never thought you'd really say. It's usually an incredible defense. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. As I said, they have uh, I think they have five sacks. Two of them have come from their safety in Jamal Adams, just three from that defensive line. So of the seven, the least, I think, you're 3-0. You have to be, there has to be some kind of legitimacy to you. But I would say the Bears would be the least of the seven that are undefeated. Let's all see how long uh, we can hang on. Uh, to some undefeated teams in the NFL. So enjoy again all the sports that are going on right now. There's still plenty of them uh, happening, and and let's continue to keep our fingers crossed uh, that we uh, don't keep getting these positive tests like we did in Tennessee in the NFL. This is a real first hiccup. College, it's really you cross your your fingers every single week uh, to see what team may have to miss a game and if they can finish the season. But Again, at least we have uh, sports to turn the TV on and watch. And we're starting to get to games where fans can go. Like the game I have this week. Again, Oklahoma State at Kansas. I believe they're allowing 10,000 fans into this game. So slowly but surely, if we all keep doing the things necessary uh, to keep the COVID you know, at bay as best we can, uh, hopefully we can get out and be 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 at these sporting events and not just have to turn the TV on uh, to watch them. Hopefully uh, we get back to normal sooner rather than later, though. Who knows with that? Everybody just stay safe, and uh, we'll do this again next time around. Take care.